0: All right, why don't you join with me in prayer? Let's pray. Oh, God, yes, Lord, we thank you that we can come into your courts with thanksgiving and praise and your presence with praise and gates. Lord, that you welcome us in and that you're present. Jesus, you promised to be uh, with us when we gather together in your name. You said that you'd be in the midst of us. So we we honor your presence, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would help Help me communicate uh, this message and help each one of us hear and receive your word uh, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, I'm talking on Thanksgiving. Started last week. Um, And the whole idea of Thanksgiving is really a compound word. There's there's an aspect of thankfulness as well as giving. And and it's really a a series about uh, gratitude and generosity. Gratitude and generosity and how they relate. And last week, we kind of looked at uh, a few scriptures, and we saw that the God's hope and future for us, what, what that looked like. And if you remember, it was uh, from uh, uh, Jeremiah that uh, the future was a future of a, an abundance of restoration and overflow, that Thanksgiving would be pouring out the windows, and laughter would be spilling out uh, the doors. And so this idea of an abundance of joy and an abundance of laughter and celebration, that that's, that's God's heart for his people. And we saw the, the New Testament um, uh, passages on the sacrifice of praise, but also the sacrifice of sharing and what that meant. And so we're gonna pick up uh, from there. We also talked a little bit about some details about New Day a Community Church. And this is really uh, for those of you who are members and for those of you who are guests, we're, we're glad you're here. Um, uh, kind of getting into some nitty-gritty here, but uh, welcome to the family. <laughs> 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 uh, um, we found uh, that uh, the giving at New Day Church, 20% of our congregation has a year to date has given nothing. Um, and uh, 20% is given around $2. It's actually uh, between one, $1 and $5. Um, and that's, that's next to nothing. And, and a few things about that. Uh, I really don't necessarily like sharing that information, but I, I just felt compelled I had to. I had to be open and honest and I had to repeat it so that you really, you can hear it as a congregation and, and realize uh, the significance of if 40% of our congregation is not giving, uh, you know, what are the implications of that? And really what I wanna challenge us is what would be the implications if everyone was giving uh, uh, the full uh, portion that they're called to and and what could be different and I want to draw attention to uh, uh, you know what we could attain if everyone was was operating uh, at full capacity rather than running at 60 percent uh, and so you know all of this information we are able to get I don't I don't personally look at individuals giving records I uh, we have access to that but I, I prefer not to I also just Again, if you're a guest here, uh, I really don't like talking about money, <clears throat> and if there's been one thing, I've, I've neglected it over the years. In fact, this is probably the first sermon you've ever heard me teach on money. I cannot remember a time that I talked on money. I, I, I just, And I've actually neglected that, so I'm, gonna, I'm repenting publicly. Uh, uh, so I hope to address it more regularly. But again, it's, it's just not something I, I, I really like to teach about, but it is important and i want to get into some principles of the importance of it so the reason i share that 20 percent have given nothing and another 20 percent have given only like an average of two dollars a week is to challenge us that hey we can do more than that we can be more than that and we want the full participation of everyone uh again my motivation is out of obedience and love for you our year-to-date giving is actually up over last year and last year was up over the year before it's not out of desperation or need, but it's, it's out of the idea of, um, uh, of challenging us to go farther. It's really a mindset change. I'm really um, hoping to inspire over the course of this series a change of heart and a change of mind. That Even if you're one of the faithful ones that have been giving or, or one of those uh, that give far above, there's some people in this church that I am just overwhelmed at how much they give. And they're just constantly pouring out generosity that just blows me away um, even if you're part of those can we also have a new mindset can you believe with me that we can be a church that there's hundred percent participation that everybody is given regardless of how much they make what they're giving in their share you know that's what i'm asking for all of us to believe together to be faithful yourself, but also as a church to be faithful and and see what we can do as a church uh, if everyone was faithful. Well, we're going to jump to uh, the passage, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 and 9. Um, <clears throat> actually, these whole chapters uh, involve Paul. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Don't change the slide. I forgot to to, to share this one thing. Uh, as I was getting ready for this uh, this uh, message, I was talking to someone and they they said that they were having a conversation with someone that they work with, and it came up that they, they gave money to the church, and their co-worker said, you'd be a blanking idiot to give money to the church. Right? <clears throat> and I thought, uh, and so, when, when they, it, I said, well, how did you respond to that? And he said, well, I didn't know what to say. But that, the impact of that kind of hit me. like a, a non-believer who doesn't go to church you know that's that's people who don't believe don't give to God. That's just that just makes sense, doesn't it? It shouldn't surprise us that someone that has no relationship with God, no connection with church, they don't understand the value of church. To hear that you're giving money to the church, they would say that's stupid. That's ridiculous because from their world view, from their perspective, it is. Doesn't that make sense? We don't, I don't expect non believers to just send checks to the church. If they did, I would receive them. <laughs> but that's never happened, you know. Somebody just drive up and oh, I got extra money here. Can you? Um, because because they don't have faith, no faith equals no give. Right? If people don't have faith, they're not gonna give. Push the button on the computer. There we go. No faith equals no giving. That makes sense. But there's a funny thing about that little equal sign. It's an equation, or it's a statement of logic. No faith equals no giving. And so push the button again. That means no giving equals no faith. So, it's really about faith. It's not about money. It's really about faith. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Second Corinthians, uh, eight and nine, are two chapters. Actually, the whole two chapters are all about giving. They're, he's writing to the church about money. Uh, he's addressing particularly a collection that he was taking amongst all the churches that he planted to raise money to send to the church in Jerusalem because they were going through some desperate times. And so he's, he's doing a special collection. Actually, he had, it took him a whole year. Uh, they had, he had talked to him about a year previously and. And he was collecting money from all of the churches, and they were going to send this gift to the church in Jerusalem. But all of the principles that are covered in these two chapters apply to all New Testament giving. Okay, So the principles that apply here, even though it was specific to a specific uh, gift, a collection that they were doing at church, there are principles that apply to all giving, whether it's your weekly giving to your local church or uh, giving to special offerings. <clears throat> And we're just gonna take this kind of verse by verse. Uh, Jumping in at verse seven, he'd already uh, started talking about, uh, he he had been bragging about how generous they were and he he, he goes on in verse seven, he goes, uh, but as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. So there's a few things that we can pull out of here. First of all, it's not by commandment. He's encouraging the, the church in Corinth to give to an offering. Right? But he says right in there, hey, this is not a commandment. In other words, our motivation uh, can't be obligation. Alright? We're no longer slaves. We're not under the law. Alright? We don't it's not a commandment that we have to obey in that sense. Okay? It, rather it should be out of not out of obligation, but out of relationship. It should be a reflection of our new nature. We're born again. We're in relationship with God through our faith in Jesus Christ. And a part of that is the character of God in being generous. So it's not out of commandment that he's saying, uh, uh, talking about giving. It's not out of obligation. It's not under the law. We're no longer slaves. But it doesn't exempt us. Because what it what it directs us to is the need to give out of another motivation, right? He's not exempting them. Oh, you're not under law. You don't have to give anymore. That's not. He writes two whole chapters on why they should be giving generous. Why? Because it's their new nature. It's it's and he actually goes. He says it's grace. Um, He says you abound in everything in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love see that you also abound in this what what is the this giving so this passage equates financial giving with these other lofty things like faith speech being able to articulate the message of god knowledge understanding the things of god diligence and love it says you abound in all this abound also in this what law no, but grace. This financial giving is actually a manifestation of grace, just like all of these other Christian attributes that we were supposed to be living. And he, he brings it up, he includes it in. And it's not just Paul, it's God in his holy word saying, listen, folks, this is equal to love. This is equal to diligence. This is equal to knowledge. All right? You need to abound also. And it's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a grace. It's an empowerment. From God. And then he goes on, he does say, it is a test of the sincerity of your love. The scripture says, it's God's word, right? We believe that? Evangelicals, right? You believe this is God's word? I am testing the sincerity of your love. How much interpretation does that scripture need? Okay. God is testing, now I would not be qualified, I wouldn't even say that. I feel uncomfortable saying that in front of you. But God doesn't feel uncomfortable because it's for our good. By saying he's testing the sincerity, by what? By how much they financially give. It's the sincerity of their love. Wow. And we remember I went over last week that sharing the New Testament word koinonia um, is actually it's most oftenly translated fellowship it's it's the community aspect it's it's the biblical idea of what it means to be the church it really means three things it's, this greek word koinonia it means participation that you have to be actively involved in the community it means intimacy that you have to have relationship that you have to actually invest you, you can't just be on the fringes you have to invest yourself relationally that you have to be participating but you also have to contribute and the word literally means a contribution of 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 real goods money or things that you're giving your part that's what koinonia is and that if we don't you know if we only have one or two of those and not all three we're missing out on the blessing of what koinonia is we're missing out on the fullness of fellowship you know, some, someone who gives thinks they may be exempt from serving, and this is not true, because uh, you, you actually receive a part of your reward by serving that you can't get from giving. And someone who serves thinks, oh, I don't need to give money because I, I donate so much time. You, that's not true, because there's an aspect of blessing that you can't get from serving that you can only get by financially giving. Why? Because that's what the word means. That's what we're called into. This is the lifestyle. This is, this is the church. This is what Jesus died to, to establish and what we live in. And it's a test of our love. So verse we we're going to continue on. Verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. What a perfect example that Paul uh, turns our attention to. The example of Jesus Christ. He was rich. What's he referring there to? Jesus on the throne in heaven. He had everything. All right? He didn't lack anything. He had millions of angels. I don't know how many. Nobody knows how many angels there are. Serving him and worshiping him. He had all the glory. It talks about it in Philippians where he, where he chose to humble himself and come as a man. He, 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 uh, he set off all of his divine attributes and took on humanity. And then was born uh, not just as a as human, that's one thing, but born in a, in, a, in a manger, you know, in a barn or a cave with nothing. You know, he, he, he put off everything. He gave all that away. So why? So that we could be enriched. He became poor for our sake so that we could be rich, enriched. And Paul says that's the motivation. We are to follow Christ in all things, especially in our finances. Be a Christ follower in that way as well. Verse ten it says, And I give uh, and in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to uh to desire it, so there also may be a completion of what uh, of what you have. So Paul is you know you he says, it's great that you wanted to give. You had the right desire. Right? You began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you you also must complete the doing of it. You know, you actually have you know good intentions aren't really enough when it comes to this. I mean it's good that you have good intentions. You know, I, I want I want to give money to the church. I wanna see the kingdom. I wanna bless the king. I want to do something great for God. I know people that spend their whole life wanting to do something great. And they never, they never actually do anything. Because they never realize, you know, at some point you have to make a step. You actually have to invest yourself, or invest what you have, into the vision. And that's what Paul is just being blunt here, isn't he? It's great you desire it, but you actually have to do it. Desire plus doing equals the advantage. There's an advantage. There's a blessing. You actually, you know, some people say you can't preach about giving in order to get, but God actually in his word teaches us that principle, that if you give, you will receive. He's saying there is real advantage that when you have the desire to give and you actually do it, you're going to receive an advantage. Uh, And he's advising people, let's get it. Let's make it happen. Verse 12, for there is first a willing mind It says for if there is first a willing mind it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have and this is a great verse i love that it's in the bible and and this verse is really if you understand it will just lift off condemnation lift off uh, a regret because a couple of thing is that that this verse tells us is that you don't have to give what you don't have right there's no expectation on you to give more than what you actually have Right, You don't ever have to walk away from God feeling like uh, I needed to give more than what I had. Another way that this really applies, um, and I'm grateful for it, is that people who have uh, not given faithfully for some time or maybe for years, and then they come under conviction and God re- uh, uh, brings a revelation that, oh, wow, we're supposed to be financially uh, uh, giving to the church and getting, giving to his work, and they realize that they haven't. And they don't have that money. You know, you don't have to calculate your back tithe. All right? Um, now, if you have all of that in a bank account, <laughs> yeah, you better. All right? You want to. But if your bank account looks like my bank account, it ain't there. All right? And there's grace. And there's forgiveness. And, and we're going to do this next week uh, if I have time to do it. I'm going to teach about tithing next week, but we're actually going to lead a prayer of forgiveness. So that you can be forgiven. You don't have to worry about that. God, there's grace for that. The whole point is have a willing heart and begin doing it now. All right. And that and that's what positions you to be to receive the advantage. <clears throat> um, it's the willingness of mind and heart and giving of what you from what you have. Verse thirteen for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality that now at this time. Your abundance may supply their lack, and their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. Paul's explaining the motivation to the church. As it is written in verse 15, He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. What a beautiful picture of the New Testament church, of koinonia, this idea that everyone giving their share enabled that no one would lack. right um and this is the the quote that he quotes from the old testament is actually referring to the collection of manna when the israelites left egypt and and they were in the desert and and they had no food and god miraculously provided food for them uh and a substance called manna and every day they had to go out and and collect and it said that is one person would go out and collect a whole bunch Another person, maybe they're elderly or lame in some way. They were only able to come out and collect a little. When they got back to the camp, they each had the same amount. It was miraculous. You know? And, and Paul's saying, Paul in the Scripture, the New Testament, is making a comparison between manna and giving to the church. right? so you can actually take all of the ideas about manna or not you know maybe not all of them but you can say that is a type of giving a type of generosity what happened if they hoarded the manna worms the next day except on the sabbath they'd open up the next day god provided for your day off all right all of those principles apply to new testament When you're faithful, God's going to supply. God's going to provide. You don't hoard because then it'll get infested. It'll get corrupted. So there's a direct comparison between the giving of manna. And, And another thing is that it was a super, you know, they couldn't argue that God was supernaturally providing that. And it's true that God provides for us as well. We're going to get that in just a minute. But this is a great picture of New Testament eal. what it means to be a church that everyone gives and does their share, and the needs of all are met. It, 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 it's it's the it's what. Um, uh, is expressed in the in the verse concerning the church in Ephesians 4.16. It says, it's talking about the church, it's Paul again writing to another church in, in Ephesus, saying, From whom the whole body, speaking of Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Same, same idea in different words. Three things. Every part, what's the first one? It says, uh, joined in it together by what? Every joint supplies. So they're bringing something to the table. They're not showing up empty handed. They're supplying something. And then according to the effect of working by which every part does its share. So they're participating, they're contributing and they're participating. And then, the ult- and then the end of it is that when that happens, it causes growth for the edifying of itself in love. That's the intimacy. So it's all three aspects of koinonia, intimacy, relationship, love, participation, actively involved, and contributing, bringing your share. That's the New Testament church. Let's jump down to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, The whole two chapters is on it, but I don't have time to talk about every point. We'll just get through as much as I can. Is that all right? Is that all right? That's good. Dan says it's good. So we're going to skip a few verses, go down to chapter 9, verse 5. Therefore, I thought it necessary, Paul's again writing to the church in Corinth, to exhort the brethren to go ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as grudging obligation. So think of this. This is Paul. He's a traveling minister. And he actually sent. he was going to be going to Corinth. He's going to be arriving there shortly, maybe in a few weeks or a month or two. And he sends a delegation of people ahead. And their purpose was to make sure the offering was good. How would you like it if, if we had a guest speaker come in here, which we have from time to time? How would you like it if a month before they came, he sent some people just to, to talk about the giving, make sure that we have a good offering when that guest speaker comes? Would you like that? Let's be honest. You know, I wouldn't even have him come to this church. I wouldn't let him. But you know what that means? I wouldn't have let Paul come. Ouch! Wow. So we need to ask ourselves: Wow, are we uptight about money? <laughs> God's not uptight about money. Paul wasn't uptight about making taking collections. But even I—that makes me uptight. jeez like, what are you sensing? You know. But they actually, the motivation of sending people ahead was so that they would give out of generosity and not obligation. You didn't want to show up and then have to feel obligated to come up with something, but rather to prepare. You know, and we're talking about generosity as opposed to grudging obligation. Those are heart issues. Those are heart issues. When you talk about money, pretty much always you're going to touch a heart issue. There's, there's a common saying, you know, you reach a man through his stomach, right? Well, you touch his money, and you'll see his passion. Come on. Right. Heart issues are revealed when you deal with money. It's like a shortcut to your heart. Bless you. So, how many want to be healed of their heart issues? Now, let's just pray right now. So, if you, if you close your eyes. Say, say Father... Heal me of my heart issues, especially concerning money. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's the point. We want to be healed up and just acknowledging that, hey, money is directly connected to heart issues. Paul says we need to, and the Bible exhorts, God commands that we need to give out of the right motivation, out of generosity, not out of obligation. And, it, and, it, and he sends people so that they prepare beforehand. I love that. They prepare beforehand. He's teaching. Remember, this is a new congregation. These are new believers. They didn't have hundreds and thousands of years of history. Uh, these were either converted Gentiles or the Jews that have, had converted to Christianity. And they're learning how to do church in Corinth, which was a, which was a Greek city. Uh, and there were no other churches. So he's teaching them, hey, you know what? You need to prepare beforehand. And I do this personally. Um, uh, uh, I prepare. Um, I, I have a budget and, uh, or a, a bill sheet. <clears throat> I don't have much of a budget, but I know all the bills that are coming in. And, and, I, and I make sure because I know what bills are going to come in. i got to have money ready to pay. And I live week by week, paycheck by paycheck. I'm working on that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to implement some of the strategies to get ahead and not behind, but I'm like most of you. But the way I prepare is on my bill sheet, the first thing is my tithe and the amount and then everything else. And I used to write checks for everything. I always would make sure I wrote the church check first as a symbolic statement that I'm paying that first. Now I pull up my smartphone and do it right on, on the PayPal app, boom. So it gets paid instantly, and then I do the other ones on the computer, all right? But it's first, and I prepare ahead of time. I know how much I'm already going to give. When when I go to conferences or guest speakers come, I always prayerfully consider, God, how much do you want to give? And I have the amount or the check already written. Sometimes I only go with the check already written and not a checkbook, because I don't want to be, you know, some people with good intentions will manipulate. Uh, And they actually, I'm not saying they're not doing a good thing, they are. but I want to be prepared, so I come with an offering in, in hand most times. Now, sometimes during that, I'll be motivated and give more. Just I think it was in the last year I was at a meeting, and I had so much I was going to give. And the, they went up, and they started talking about orphans. And we, as a church, had at that time enough money in our alms to uh, pay for an orphan for a whole year. Uh, so right now, this whole year, an orphan, I think it was in India, is being fed and housed and schooled because of your generosity. I was able to write a check. I didn't intend to do that, but I was able to pay it. Boom, right there. So <clears throat> be, being prepared beforehand demonstrates that you're motivated out of generosity and not out of obligation. It reflects your heart condition and it also reveals what you're expecting. You know, you're know, you expecting to give, but you're also expecting that God's going to be faithful to return. He goes on in verse 6. says, But this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So he talks all about, you know, we want to do it out of generosity, but he also gives us the clear teaching on sowing and reaping. That if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. And if you sow, uh, uh, what's it? Bountifully. Bo- uh, 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 bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. All right? The measure you receive is determined by the measure you use to give. Now listen, this is a, a big issue. I really want to drive this in. Is that our giving is proportional we give a portion, proportionate to what we earn, what we receive from God, we give a proportion of it. But the return we expect is exponential. God doesn't tell you to give exponentially. Aren't you glad? You made $100, you gotta give 1000 No. He said, you give proportionately. You make $100, give 10 And I'll return exponentially. I will multiply. All right, that's the promise giving is proportional return is uh, exponential and and this is the thing with everything that god does it's like this apple um what inside of it you know this is not just one apple what's inside of it seeds each one of those seeds how many apples can each one of those seeds produce countless countless apples all right i like this one i love these things These are so good, right? But what's in the middle of it? Full of seeds. You know, when man makes something, it doesn't have the power to reproduce. It's consumed. You know, Twinkies. (laughs) A moment of silence for Twinkies. (laughs) You eat a Twinkie, you know, you put a Twinkie in the ground, you don't get more Twinkies. (laughs) Happy (laughs) ants. All right? What you take something, God, what God gives has the potential to reproduce exponentially. And so God gives you an apple, you can have a snack. Or if you're wise, you can save the seeds, let them dry, plant them. In a few years, you'll have apples for the rest of your life. All right? We need to understand the principles of God, and that applies to everything that God gives. All right? If you receive it from God, you, you respond to it as a gift from God, it has the potential to increase exponentially. Uh, it says, verse 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. That each one gives as he purposes in his heart. Now, I used to think that that meant, oh, you just make up your mind and that's what you give. <clears throat> and I don't think that's what it means. I think, you, I think the question is, what is the purpose in your heart? What's the purpose in your heart? Well, what's the purpose in your heart for giving? Is it just not to sin? You don't wanna go to hell? You don't wanna get God mad at you? Those should not be the motivations. Those are obligations. None of those should even be the motivation. Those should not be the purposes in your heart. What is the purpose in your heart? You know what my purpose is? My purpose is to see every man, woman, and child on planet Earth, hear the gospel explained in their own language so they have the opportunity to receive an eternal inheritance through faith in Jesus Christ. You know where I'm stationed? I'm stationed in Kalamazoo County. So that means I, my sub-purpose is that every man, woman, and child in Kalamazoo County gets to hear the gospel explained them, gets to see a representation of the kingdom of God that they can, they, can, they can join if they want to, that that opportunity is available. That's the purpose in my heart. What's the purpose in your heart? That's why I give, I want to see the the establishment of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's my motivation. What's your motivation? God's saying, what's the motivation in your heart for your life? What do you wanna see? Give according to that. Give according to that motivation. Reach down, maybe you don't know, spend some time in prayer, find it. It'll change your life. That's what you should be motivated by. Not how much you have to give, but how big you can dream, all right? Kingdom-wise, what can I do to invest to, to, to get the most return in a spiritual way? Um, <clears throat> and that he loves a cheerful giver, all right? So it's the purpose of our heart and in realizing it's something God loves. You know, what's it say there? It doesn't say God loves cheerful people. <laughs> does it what's it say cheerful givers hilarious giver. he loves that and so being that kind of a person uh, blesses God listen you can make God you can bless God you can be the kind of person that God loves how by being cheerful about your giving wow is does that does that lift the level of importance of giving to the church from something mundane and an obligation to something glorious? Yeah, it ought to. It's a powerful thing. It can change your life. It's changed mine. <clears throat> all right, got to keep going. Verse uh, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. He turns the the message and God says, listen, this is about you, right? God is able. God is able. God is able. He's saying, give generously. You're saying, how can I do that? How could I possibly give that much? Because God is able. Can you say it out loud? God is able. That's the rock-solid foundation that we make the decision to be generous from. Because God is able. God is able what? To make all grace abound toward you. Your needs are going to be met. Not just met, but always having an abundance. The word abundance means, means an extravagant overabundance, overflow in all sufficiency, in all things. He just keeps repeating the word, all, all, all. Man, God's going to meet every one of your needs, every, everyone, everything, every way, right? if you believe that he's able. And you demonstrate that belief by giving. I think that's an amazing thing. Listen, <clears throat> God doesn't need your money. Do we all understand that? He's really set. <laughs> we need, or you need to demonstrate your trust. We need to demonstrate our trust in his ability to make us abound. That's the point. We need to demonstrate our trust. How? By giving proportionately and expecting an exponential return. That's how we demonstrate it. It's a need in us. It's not something God needs. It's something we need, and it's something he's promised. The a, a next verse quotes an Old Testament psalm about a righteous man. It says It's written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. So Paul says, listen, even the Psalms de- uh, declare that a person's righteousness is displayed or, or, or demonstrated by how they use their finances. He disperses abroad. That just means he gives away stuff. And abroad is just wherever. He's constantly giving away. And he meets the needs of the poor. And that's a, de- a testament of his righteousness. It shows the kind of person, the lifestyle of a person that's in right relationship with God. That's just how they live. Verse 10, now, he, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Listen, we have to understand God is able and God is the source, all right? Your employer is not the source. You are not the source. If you think you are the source, then you're going to hold tight to that money. But if you know and if you believe and if you live by the truth that God is the source, he's making the supply, then that frees you from fear. Frees you uh, to give, frees you to live, and trusting that he's the source. And he's gonna keep giving you seed and bread. All right? But the measure that is multiplied is determined by how you've sown. I believe that if you don't, this is, this is a principle, and you have to understand this, because some people don't give money to God or the church and end up having a lot of finances. It's not a clear cut. Some people are rich. They never give any money. You know, what's the deal with that? You know, even if they're Christians, it's not the return is not always money for money. Sometimes you're faithful financially, and God will bless you in a multitude of other ways. All right? Sometimes you can be, uh, uh, you know, you can give, give an abundance and not, not have a lot of wealth. You're, get, you're getting return the other way. All right? It's, it's how you choose to use the seed that God's given, And, and even if you don't give, it doesn't mean God's going to not give you anything because he's going to keep providing the seed. Right? But if you just consume the seed instead of sow the seed then that determines how much is multiplied but it's still god who multiplies does that make sense so it's your choice god's given you a portion you then choose whether you're going to consume it all in your life spend it all up or if you're going to honor him and demonstrate you're in him by giving a portion of it proportionally and expecting an exponential return and when you do that what happens is down to verse 11 says you are enriched in everything that's where that's where the point is is that it's not just financial return it's in everything it says with all liberality god wants us to be liberals sorry i just love making that joke on that scripture (laughs) he wants us to be enriched in everything for all that means that you can give away in every way you have enough in abundance and what does that do It causes thanksgiving. Uh, Generosity actually produces gratitude. That's what the point I was making. When you give something away, it generates thanksgiving. And that's exactly what uh, the Bible says. It says, For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. Um, And he ends this passage by thanking God, verse 15, uh, for his indescribable gift, bringing attention back again for the, to the indescribable gift of when God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. He gave the most valuable thing uh, he had for us. We should, in return, give what's valuable to us back to him. Amen. Next week, I'm going to be talking about this whole issue of tithing, what it means, and what it means in the New Testament. Julie has some announcements. God bless you. Thank you. Wow.